Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV Podcast 455. 455. 455. <laughs> Episodes in. <laughs> We're having a little audio issue with Emerson, and it's, I think it's on our side. I, I was... People were complaining last week that we had some very strange audio, so I messed around with one or two settings, and I decided to mess it all up and wreck everything. (laughs) Yeah, well, nonetheless, so if you're here live on Tuesday night, we appreciate you sticking around and uh, sticking with us as we're getting going here a few minutes after 9 o'clock. So we appreciate it. Of course, very special guest who's going to join us in just a few moments, Emerson Keith. We put him through the ringer thinking that uh, it might have been on his end. He's on like three different devices. <laughs> yeah, Poor guy. So it's we, our fault. Uh, very much appreciate his patience as well. Uh, we'll talk to Emerson Keith. Of course, we're going to talk about what we just saw, OTB Open, and maybe we'll dive into a little bit about this upcoming weekend, Beaver State Fling, and uh, where the rest of the state of disc golf and everything else is. So... I guess without any further ado, there's no reason to make him wait anymore. Our champion from the OTB Open this weekend, Emerson Keith. Hey, buddy. What's up? Hey, guys. <laughs> I can hear you now. There That's you go. We... And you're looking great. I'll say, And I'll say this. you know, I don't mind when, obviously, guests use their phone and stuff, but the laptop is always better for a couple reasons. Audio is better, and we get the nice full screen as opposed to the, the horizontal thing. But I'm sorry to put you through that. That's on me. Yes, we'll blame Johnny as usual. So, first of all, congratulations. Uh, it's been a few days. We'll talk later about people <laughs> in award ceremonies. That's another conversation. But it's been a couple of days. How does it feel roughly 48 hours later? Um, well, it's starting to kind of settle in. The The morning after I woke up and I, I kind of had to make sure that it actually happened and that it wasn't just a... <laughs> Very vivid dream. Uh, it was uh, it was nice to look at my phone and see all the messages and stuff, and know that it actually did happen. I I can only imagine the amount of support and shout outs and mentions and requests and everything else was 
and you can name them or not, but was there anything in particular that kind of stood out in terms of either a message or a request or a, or a story or anything that came in uh, through your socials or directly to you? Anything that stood out to you um, as a above and beyond kind of message? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, like my dad and and uh, I even got a, a message from Ricky Wysocki. <laughs> I was kind of surprised <laughs> by that one, um, but he's a good friend, so it was nice to hear from him. Uh, one thing that really stood out in a lot of the messages is a lot of people that are similar in size to me mm. told me that I I won for the little guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a lot of those messages. How does that feel? I mean, uh, you know, obviously you're a little shorter in stature. Do you take any offense to that? Do you are you super proud of that fact? Is, uh, do, does any of those kind of either either compliments or jabs do any of those affect you? Uh, not really. I mean, I've I've been short my whole life. You know, I was never <laughs> tall at any point. So, so I've just kind of been used to it. Um, growing up playing sports, I would, I was never the biggest one on the team, but I could always compete. So size has never really been an issue for me. It's funny because a few years ago, you've been on the scene for what, eight year, eight, nine years, something like that. Something. And you were known as a pretty far thrower for the longest time. It's like, Oh, Emerson, he crushes just the other day. I heard someone say, you know, Emerson not known for his distance. And I thought, I was like, that's kind of silly. I mean, and then I thought about it and I was like, oh, I suppose, Look at all these guys now that we have out there that are, you know, long yeah. levered guys that are easily pushing 450, 500, 550 if they want to. Do you consider yourself still one of the further throwers on the course or are you kind of now moved over into that? Like I can get it done math area. Uh, maybe pound for pound farthest thrower. <laughs> uh, but I, I would say I throw plenty far to compete. Um, I mean, none none of the holes out there at, at OTB, I felt like, that none of them felt impossible because of distance. Um, it's it really just I have to execute a little bit better um, to get all of that distance. I have to get everything out of the disc. Um, but yeah, I, I throw I throw plenty far enough. I consider myself to to be up there in the distance. What what would what is you know? Let's talk a little bit about if you were to go into a field and could throw in any given direction, straight up legit distance competition. And then when you're on a course where maybe you've got plenty of fairway, but what are you looking at for max distance versus what you would consider max golf distance? What are those two numbers? Yeah, so funny you mentioned that. Um, so you watch all these guys throw, like the like Double G and David Wiggins, you watch them throw these max distance where they get it way up in the air. And uh, in order to do that, you have to open up your hips differently than an actual like golf line shot. I've never learned how to open up my hips that way to like throw those big giant flex shots for that so-called max distance. Mm -hmm. So my all my distance practice has been on a golf line. So I would say my max distance is my golf line distance as well. Probably like 450 to 470. Okay. And and so let let's just uh well hole one's a little bit elevated and kind of but like hole one for instance that uh, is four ninety six 
It obviously is a, plays a few feet shorter probably because you're elevated, but hole one at the OTB course, is that even, is that pushing your longest throw? Is that kind of... No, I, I think I, I, I have plenty for that for that okay. shot. Yeah, all right. Definitely. Yeah, so I mean... So maybe, maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit and <laughs> I throw farther than I realize, but if I see 460 in my range finder, I'm, I'm very confident in okay. that shot. That's such a great way to put it. Now, and maybe last point on this is, is there, obviously you're good and obviously Paige, one of the greatest of all times, but is there, is there this little coincidence that, really? you know, two, <laughs> I don't mean that. Yeah, is there, yeah, yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't I know. Say that. Sorry. <laughs> is it just a coincidence though, that you guys just both won in the same weekend? I mean, clearly Paige has won plenty of tournaments in her career, but the longest course on tour for MPO and FPO is this weekend. And then two of our least tall people win it. <laughs> Just a coincidence, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew in my own head that I could eventually win a tournament. I did not really think that it would be the OTB course, but the the layout was not impossible. Even though it is long, it's just you dice it up. I don't need to throw 600 feet and then 300 feet. I can throw mm-hmm. 450 and 450. Um, and so I think it played to, to my advantage because I, I didn't, I don't have the arm to do anything crazy on that course. Sure. And the key obviously is stay in bounds. It, that yeah, is, I didn't go out of bounds very often. I think I was second in OB rate. Yeah. That's what I saw. I remember that exact thing is that you were second. So clearly just keeping it safe. Controlled distance, as they say. That's... Yeah, back, back to your question. I kind of went off, off there a little bit. Um, so I hung, hung out at, at the OTB warehouse. Um, it's the thing to do when mm-hmm. you're in Stockton. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Paige, Paige always hangs out there. I've been hanging out there for years and Paige had that giant lead after round two. And um, I had, I was a little bit one stroke back at right mm-hmm. one stroke yep. going into round three. And, uh, she just said that it would be so cool if I won and stuff. And, and she was confident that she was going to win. So after round three, she won, I gave her a hug when I saw her and, and I told her, I said, you did your part. Now I just need to go do mine. We need to bring this back to Plano, Texas. Nice. And uh, I, I went out there and I got it done. That's, that's awesome. And, we saw, we saw, uh, as Paige was one of the first, obviously, to be there. We also saw, <laughs> well, how, how does it come about that Cat Merch has a sign made up for you, uh, that she's standing there with her <laughs> sign? Where did that come from? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't even know what that sign was made out of, but it was, it was really cool to see every, like, pretty much everybody was there. Um, usually you see, like, their closest friends like they're waiting for hugs and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, I'm kind of friends with everybody on tour. I don't just specifically hang out with one group. So I had like everyone there. I had every every group was there. I mean, Gannon even came and gave me a hug and, and uh, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. The sign, the sign was special. (laughs) It really was. That shot that 
it was I think filmed from behind of Ganon give, coming over and giving you a hug. I mean that was it was it was pretty the, funny. I think the cameraman had to change the angle just to get the shot. <laughs> <laughs> to get Ganon just cut Ganon's head off. We don't need him. Uh, going back to saying how everybody was there, I felt like one of the the coolest moments was after you tapped in and everyone cheers. I think you, I mean maybe not everybody because they've got a really big team, but I think maybe you hugged everybody on uh Team Lone Star. Like just everyone at yeah. one after another, and I and I know they got a, a pretty good sized team these days with uh, uh, with some of their promotions that they run. But I thought that was really nice, seeing as how they were kind of the new guys on the block this season, signing a bunch of names and yourself included. Uh, how does it feel to be the first big winner for them? You know, have you talked to the owners? Have you talked to the team manager? What kind of what's going on with that? Yeah, I've talked to to everybody, and I mean, they're. I, I would say they're just as like happy and shocked that that the win happened as as myself, because I mean, they just started making this like a couple years ago, and now they're now there's someone on tour winning with them. I mean, if I if I created discs and signed pros to to throw those discs and the first year that I created a, like a real strong team, someone won with them. I'd be pretty amazed as well. <laughs> uh, did they, uh, you know, you talked about kind of a family atmosphere and how you really enjoy uh, being part of the team. How, and I'm not to belittle any of it. So, my, but my question is like, how much of that is Texas based? Like, would you feel the same per se, if they were based out of Arizona or New Mexico or just any other state is there a lot of i'll say texas pride there um i i think so it's just kind of cool to to grow up so close to the a place that someone's manufacturing discs now um i'm sure if i was from a from another state that like if i was from say oklahoma and a manufacturer came in oklahoma i would love to represent them just because that's where i'm from so i don't think it's like a texas specific thing but in a way it it kind of is because i'm from here so it's just it's cool to keep everything home now speaking of home that perfectly segues to you said you're already back in texas so tell us like what the tour is or was and how it looked and that are you are you going back out west and are you not doing that until portland open and a breakdown like what your travel looked like that you're already home in texas yeah, so I, I uh, we finished Jonesboro, I believe. I came home. Um, I was gonna drive out there, and um, we had we have my son's first birthday coming up. My daughter has a dance recital. It's my birthday in two days. Um, so kind of just decided that I should fly out and then fly back. Mm. So I could be home for all this stuff, and uh, and then I will be back out at Portland. Okay, so you're not going to be at Beaver State in a couple days, or yeah, two days, three days from now. No, I will not. I, I still need to message him and tell him that I'm not going to be there. <laughs> okay, so you were you were on the registration list, but now you're not participating. I believe I'm on the registration. Okay, well, there's a Smashbox exclusive, right? That's for right. Skip Ace. All the Skip Ace, all the Fantasy Disc Golf listeners, you can you know make sure not to pick Emerson this week. <laughs> There you go. Okay. Well, good. Good to get that. But how scoop. many? Of them, how many of them had me picked last week? That's oh, the, 
I'll look. That's the real. Well, I'll I'll look it up. Give me a couple minutes. Johnny, sir. we'll look into it and see who who had your back. We may or may not call out any names by uh, uh, actual names. We'll see who did and didn't have your back. But now, yeah, and and in all seriousness, that kind of segues into the idea of like how many more people will pick, and I think that'll be an interesting stat. And grip six, uh, the the six picks. I'm sure people will look at that more too. Like clearly, you people have known you're good. You've been a contender. You've won, I think, eighty seven other tournaments. Uh, you know, people know your skill set, but now you're that much more, you know, in the conversation. And I think that's awesome. Do you, sounds like maybe a dumb question. Do you feel like now that you've got this one, like you've, you've broken through a barrier of any kind and that the second one may or may not come easier or quicker? Um, I mean, that's, that's kind of impossible to, to really say, um, but I can know that the next time I am in that position, I'll have even more confidence because I've, I've been there. I mean, I've, I've been, I've now been the player that pushed through and won and more times than that, I've been the player that was close. The player that, that missed the putts down the stretch and threw OB and, and just essentially folded because of nerves. But now I've been the player that pushed through those nerves and got it done. So I'll have more confidence next time. I'm sure. And that's so interesting to hear you say and admit that. Do you feel like in, in previous events where you've come up short, is it specifically been nerves or is it just something else that you know, wasn't your day or, or it could be obviously a myriad of other things, but do you, do you attribute previous non wins to having too many nerves or, or succumbing to nerves. Uh, I, I mean, absolutely. I, okay. I think anybody, anybody that, that kind of like 2019 worlds, I mean, I was right there with Paul mm-hmm. up until it really, really mattered that last round. And I mean, I started off like my scorecard was very colorful <laughs> and that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent nerves out there. Um, once those nerves went away, I cleaned up the back nine and was able to hold on to third. Sure. But those nerves were so strong that I couldn't get past them at the beginning, but I've never felt those at that moment. 2019 worlds, obviously pre COVID, uh, previous sponsor, just in general, does 2019 worlds feel like an entirely different sport and world to you at this point you know as we fast forward four years post covid boom disc golf pro tour where it's at so on and so forth does it feel totally different to you or no um it it kind of just feels like uh we were all on the b team back then and now it's like blown up and we're playing like we're playing triple a and like we have all the fans and it's it's definitely crazier um if that's the right word for it it's bigger it's definitely bigger and the stage is bigger there's more eyes so yeah it's it's different yeah it's uh i guess now i think of you know as you just brought up the worlds we think about then someone like aaron gossage who this weekend as well obviously right there in that conversation had you know a heartbreaker for him at the world championships last year and it was interesting to hear what you just said and even almost compare that with what Aaron said this weekend, where he said in so many words, like I, I'm trying to forget that I that's behind me. And it's not so much that I want to learn from it. I just want to entirely put it past me 
with regard to the playoff and such last year at Worlds. Uh, do, do you ever think woulda, coulda, shoulda with Worlds? Or again, is 2019 just not even a concern to you at all right now? No, I, I think it's still there. Like, I, I still think about it because, I mean, I, I did it that weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I played nine, about nine bad holes that weekend. That's it. That's what stopped me from winning that weekend. So to, I think you can build confidence by saying, I played four and a half amazing rounds. I've shown that I can do this. Now let's let's finish it this time. What does it say for an event such as this where Simon Lazat, previous champion, doesn't cash? Eagle. Eagle McMahon doesn't cash. Uh, Nate Sexton, who famously is on the cash line. <laughs> but just in general, when you have a champion one year and then – of course, he had his struggles, but does that say anything about the event, or does that just say, "Hey, things are competitive," and and Simon had a terrible weekend? But does does, does some I, you know some of that like change? Does that say anything about the event? I think the I think it's just where we're at in the sport. It's not as easy to win. So when you when you get behind, it's it's hard to stick to your game plan and just continue to take the birdies and the that you plan to take, you end up trying to push and that's either going to boost you back up the leaderboard or you're going to, you're going to struggle trying to throw these shots that you weren't planning on throwing to just to keep up with, with everyone else in the event that's sticking to their game plan. But then again, I guess on the, you you turn and look on the FPO side, right? And Paige Pierce now a three time champ and clearly divisions, you, you know, it's not fair to completely compare them because there's not as much parity on the FPO side, but then you have someone like Paige who finds a way to dominate at this event. What? Let Let's go back and I, I was thinking about Paige and her round, second round, and then your second round. Walk us through a little bit of what that was like because we didn't see all of it on camera. So walk us through some of the the personal highlights for you for that record setting round. Um, I mean, it. I started off with like a. You just had it in as an eighty footer, but I think it was it was more like ninety five, a hundred. It was okay. It was way out there. Okay. Um, and we. I played was that with a putter or a throw in. The- uh, it was a straddle jump putt. Okay. All right, straddle jumper. Wow. <laughs> that would have been my next guess. Okay. Go on. Um, but we had so Calvin was on the card, so we we had a good sized crowd that mm-hmm. continued to grow throughout the round. Cause me and him were both playing good, but that was, it's been a while since I've heard a crowd like just go wild for something. And that was on hole one. So I was already feeling something special on hole one and, and uh, just continued to make long putts. I, I think for the round, I was a hundred percent circle one and 60% mm-hmm. circle two. Um, I mean, that's got to be one of my best putting rounds ever. Uh, so just, just having the crowd and, and making everything I looked at. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was going to say similar, but different. Cause it wasn't quite that it wasn't record setting in, in that it was near perfection. Although obviously it set a course record and it was the best round we saw all weekend. But I think about like James Conrad and Jonesboro a few weeks ago and just how it felt like, and he said it 
and Gannon said it and others that were playing with him, a bunch of people said it like this was special and we kind of collectively were rooting for him. And so, you know, for you to say that there's a gallery out there, you you have other superstars, of course, on the card uh, that just got to feel awesome to be, you know, the guy that walks away. Uh, how, how much more could you improve? I didn't on even that? know. Go ahead. I didn't even know that. I didn't even know what I was at. Okay. I was, I was truly just out there playing disc golf that day because I mean, I was in like 25th place mm-hmm. at the, <laughs> let's just start that round. So I, I just went out there and I played and I think going into the last hole, um, Ari asked me like the conversation came up and she was like, do you know what you're at? And I was like, no. And she's like, you want me to tell you? I said, after I throw this up, shot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then walking to the green, she told me, or no, after I put it out, she told me, she was like, uh, you shot 12. And I was like, no way. I thought that putt was like for 10. So I didn't, I didn't really know. It was probably a good thing that I didn't know. Sure. But. What? Uh, there's a lot of different description uh descriptors that people use when having a good round were you in a zone were you in a blackout mode were were any of those things or was it just a happy-go-lucky round for you like how do you how do you you know and you just said well i was just out there playing disc golf i guess give us your description of when you're so to speak in that zone how do how do you describe it um i don't know if i would really call it like the like blackout mode Mm -hmm. Because I was like insanely focused for my shot, but as soon as that was done, I mean, we had Calvin on the card, AB, and Paul Omen or Tall Paul, mm-hmm. um, and it was one of the best cards I've ever played with. Like it was just, it was very fun. So like we would all throw our shots, and no matter what, we'd just be talking down the fairway or about anything, and uh, so it was just a really fun round. Uh, so really, I was only focused for a little bit of it when it was my turn to throw, and then the rest of it was just like hanging out on a Sunday at league. Okay, so pretty casual, uh, pretty laid back, and a good group. So I, I know Ari had actually messaged me a few weeks ago and was saying, "Oh, I'll see you at Stockton," and I said, "No, I'm going to be working the event, but I'll be doing it from the booth." And then that's when I think she told me that she was going to be uh, caddying and hanging out. So the whole world says, "How with Ricky?" you know, um, obviously not playing this year. How does it come about that Ari's out there and on the <laughs> cart for you this weekend? Yeah, I mean, just just traveling, um, staying at Airbnbs with Rick. Um, I've gotten very close over the years with Ari. She's like kind of a tour mom. Mm-hmm. So we've always stayed in contact and uh, she asked me. She said, "When I when I you come to OTV, can can I caddy for you?" And I was like, "Yeah, did you even really have to ask me?" <laughs> uh, so it was kind of a given she was going to be on my back that weekend. Well, uh, I think that's probably one for one, right? Her on the bag for you. Uh, is that the first time or no? Yeah. I mean, yeah, sounds this, like so the yeah, next the... question is right. <laughs> like this is going to be dri- she's driving up to Portland, right? <laughs> yeah. Is. Is she the new official uh, tour manager for you? 
I think she's going to just take the 100% one. And... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, you know, a lot of people, and, and not to sidetrack too much, but a lot of people have asked where she is, and obviously Ricky hasn't been playing. But even if Ricky were playing every event this year, Ari, I think, made a, a pretty public statement that she was, uh, you know, kind of taking a break from being out on the tour. Is that some of the conversation you had with her? Yeah, she just... I mean, the tour life is hard, and she did it for a, a very long time. So to go to go back home and just see your regular people, be in your own house again, I, I think that that was needed. Yeah, and for for those that don't know, not that I'm doxing her, but I think she's out of the Redding, California area, not too far from OTB. Hence, all of this you know logical geographic stuff, uh, you know, makes yeah. perfect sense in that she was out there, and uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are excited to hear uh, hear and see her this weekend as well. She's been a staple yeah, the on the tour, the right? Woos. Yeah, and 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 <laughs> it, it continues to hold true. She didn't just cheer for you. She Cheers for everybody on the card. If there's a good shot, she's not biased just toward who she's, you know, working with or for. She very much uh, loves to spread the love around. And uh, I personally, I loved it. So it's great to see and hear her again. So Portland now in a couple of weeks. And will you just then be flying out to that event, I'm guessing? And then flying back? Is that kind of the plan? That's not fully decided yet. I kind of need to drive, so I have my car for Zoo Town and 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 all that. Okay, so um, that was I guess the next I, question is like, what's your what's your tour look like? But if you're going, kind of break down what you're going to be doing in the next few weeks then, or plan to play. Yeah, so it's it's kind of up in the air. Definitely, definitely Portland. Like I have to be at that one. That's an elite plus, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Silver Series, I've I've kind of I've earned the break. Um, the tour can be hard. So when, when you can take a break, it's important too. Um, so zoo town is, is up in the air right now. Okay. Um, I would love to go play in Montana, but if I see it a better fit to, to come home, then I will. Okay. And so, like you said, you're almost even contemplating, uh, uh, you're planning on driving though, to go out there and will that, that'll be a car. That's not your whole family in an RV or, or a camp or anything like that. You plan on, if you go out there, you're likely driving a vehicle, a car. Yes, that's a car. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So being that your Lone Star's first elite series winner, are we going to see a special disc? We've been seeing that's kind of been almost a staple this year where the winner of the event, their manufacturer does a limited run disc or something. Are we going to see something from Lone Star with uh, Emerson Keith on it for OTB? Yeah, definitely. Um, I believe there was just a, something posted today on what that'll look like. Wow. Um, it's going to be a Charlie plastic bayonet. And the the Charlie plastic is totally coincidence <laughs> that... It's the same as my daughter's daughter. Name. Yeah, yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, but it's the first time that this disc will be released in the plastic, and I I wanted it to be the bayonet because I threw it on almost every hole out there. Ah, all right. So what I'm going to do here in the chat, actually, I think I can uh, link right to it for yep. everybody uh, because I'm seeing it on Facebook. It says, in celebration of Emerson Keith's victory, OTB will be releasing the EK. 
Texas three-step, which includes a V2 bayonet, a Founders Ranger, and a Founders oh. bayonet, all with his signature stamp. And That's the... actually separate from the disc for the tournament. Oh, and then it says the Emerson Keith commemorative stamp Charlie bayonet will be dropping in-store and online through our dealer network on May 25th. So, awesome. That's right, because that, yeah. the link that you sent didn't uh, didn't work anyway. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, I think it shortened the link or something. So. Oh, it looks like it worked. It didn't work for me when I clicked on it, Miller. That's because you don't know how to click stuff. Clearly. I think we proved that at the top of the show. That, uh, <laughs> awesome. Well, so that's great to hear and great to see. Um, is, is there anything out of the ordinary that we that, that, you know, if I looked at your tour schedule or you explained it, is there anything out of the ordinary this year that somebody's going to be like, huh, that's kind of different that he's doing blank? Is there anything that would raise uh, an eyebrow? Probably not playing the Europe swing. Okay. Yeah, what so comes I mean, about with that decision? Like, how how do you arrive at that decision to play or not? Um. Well, just it's a like I said when you when you see opportunities to take breaks, take one. Sure. Um, and I've seen a lot of players do that swing. And then come back and rush to, I mean, I think it's been D-Glow one year or Ledgestone. And they just rush back and they're they're not anywhere near ready for the tournament. Um, they're, they're tired or mm-hmm. they didn't get to practice or they got stuck in Canada. <laughs> um, sure. I know that was a crazy situation, but like any, anything can happen. Yeah. So... So I see it best fit to just take that time off and spend some time home, maybe play some smaller tournaments just to keep the game groomed. And mm-hmm. well, uh, I, yeah, just... But anything can happen in a different way that someone like a Chandler Kramer goes over, puts himself on lead card, remains on lead card, and then blows up his his uh, his stock and his value by you know a thousand percent too. Uh, that was, Definitely. I think, one of the stories for sure that came out of last year. Yeah. Obviously, you had McMahon and Macbeth kind of pulling away, and that, you know, went on to be, you know, Mc, uh, that was McMahon's the, victory. Yeah, but, that was the European Open, but at Sula. Yeah, well, both. Was, I mean, Chandler I mean, Kramer. He was, yeah, I mean, nobody was catching. Like, it feels like European Open, it was just Paul and Eagle. Like, nobody else was at that event. Sure, but Chandler <laughs> Kramer certainly put himself on another stage, right, at at yeah. that event. Yeah, like, for someone that's not, he has not card. been playing. He's not right. even been playing disc golf that long. Yeah. I think like a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. So for him to go out there in the European Open and just absolutely lay down, like that's amazing. Make a name what, for himself. What, how, how do you feel like, obviously you just won and you know they're going to have the signature disc and all that stuff. How do you feel like in general things are going for Lone Star in terms of maybe what they were – you know, open this year with, I think you guys even had kind of like a team gathering of sorts to kick off your year or something of that nature. Like what is the general lack of a better term vibe? What's the general vibe coming out of the Lone Star camp right now? I mean, I've said this like a lot and it's the, the family vibe, like everyone feels like they belong. And I really like that. No matter no matter where you finish in a tournament, it, you're not going to be treated any different. Like I've I've missed cash a bunch, yet I get on the phone with them once a week, and and they tell me you got the next one, dude. We know you ha- we you have it in you, and like there's just so much support there. And then like all my teammates were there. You saw that, so mm-hmm. 
like we all support each other. We talk all the time. We have group chats and just a lot of really tight knit stuff with the Lone Star people. That's awesome. And I, and I, I think that's maybe in a year or two, that won't even be a question anymore because they might be that much more established, but clearly there was a, a little pause or hesitation for some because they came in with such, and, and we've had Lone Star on the show, but they came in with just such a big bang kind of out of nowhere. And it's like, boom, we're here and we're going to release 22 molds in, <laughs> in, in 2022 or right. whatever the 21 or 22 or 23, whatever the number was. And then to see them pick up so many more people for the team and so many more notable people for the team, you know, with a little skepticism, I think the world's been kind of sitting and waiting to be like, man, is this all legit? And clearly, you know, things are trending in the right direction for them, it feels like, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, if you if you want to just walk into the disc golf world and make a boom, I mean, you have to go big. You you can't just, you can't do that tiptoeing. You kind of have to t- go on full sprint and, and I mean, you're going to make mistakes along the way, but um, I feel like right now they're, they've made the right decisions and they're doing really well. I mean, they seem to have grabbed the right guy. And that... <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, West coast swing. Some people even either back off or, or uh, have struggles with it. And I think of like, I mean, I've driven a car around uh, California for a few days. I can't imagine pulling a camper or an RV or you got a big truck or whatever. And then as you extend up into the Pacific Northwest, does any of that make you hesitate at all or is that just all part of tour life like just because i see so many people kind of react differently to being in the west coast or the the pacific north northwest does any of that impact you or is it just kind of business as usual um i mean yes it impacts like everybody and myself included a little bit in the sense of we're gonna try to put get a bigger airbnb and put more people in it so it's a little bit cheaper like like a lot, like we just trying to help each other, kind of help each other out on the swing a little bit more mm. than than normal. I would I would say just because it um, it, it can be a brutal swing if if you're not playing good. Yeah. Okay. So before you got the chance to hug all of your teammates, um, I believe we saw in video you talking to your wife on the phone. As as quickly as it could happen, I know those uh, the yeah. the awards tend to be pretty bang bang tap in putt cheer announcement. You go off and then do thank yous, highlight reel, come back for an interview. How is everything at home, honestly? Because people know that you kind of had a, a very public thing with your uh, was it is it your son? Just a year yes, a year ago, son. your son. How, how is everything at home? Everything. Kind of, you don't want to answer. That's obviously fine. I know things. Some things are private, but I just kind of want to get the get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, no, I mean it. It kind of has been a while since there's been an update on my son, so why not do it here? Um, he's. You would have never even guessed that it happened to him. Um, he had he had a checkup with uh, one of the ECMO doctors, and they kind of had to do a double take to see if it was the same kid. Wow. <laughs> he's he's. He's fat, he's chunky, whatever you want to call the baby, but he's he's a big boy and he's he's healthy. And and just he's real quick, really can good. you just real quickly review for some of the people that don't know? We have a lot of new people in the sport that maybe didn't hear what was going on a year ago. Just briefly touch right. on it. 
So um, shortly after he was born, I mean, it couldn't have been, he couldn't have been more than two months old. Um, he had a hundred percent respiratory failure and he went on ECMO. And if you don't know what ECMO is, ECMO is like the highest form of life support there is. It's the machine that will take your blood out, cycle it through the machine and then put it back. It, it keeps you alive a hundred percent. Um, and, and he was on that for close to 10 days. Wow. Um, very scary, um, but he pulled through, and he's doing really good now. That's awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm glad. Because I hadn't, like you said, I hadn't heard any updates in quite a few months on, on, mo- on most of that. So uh, I'm obviously extremely ecstatic that that is the case right now. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, <laughs> did you immediately get a phone call, and was the family watching at home, and then immediately the phone call or the FaceTime or whatever came through uh, as you were handed the phone and then uh, <laughs> having a conversation? Yeah, so I I mean, it kind of stinks that, that my wife couldn't be there because, I, I mean, she's been with me since the very start of my mm-hmm. career. Um, so definitely one of my biggest supporters. And after I threw my upshot on 18 and I knew I just had a little pitch up and a tap in for the win, I I told Ari, I said, can you FaceTime McKenzie so she can watch this? And she did. And, and then she handed me the phone for a brief second. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It was uh, it was really cool to see, uh, you know, and, and like you said, we've seen so many different moments shared in different ways and family and loved ones that are watching at home on Disc Golf Network or uh, in, a, in whatever other capacity. It was uh, certainly really cool to see that. Um, at what point, I, maybe you just kind of answered the question. I was going to say, at what point did you feel comfortable? Like, in terms of, hey, I really think I have this lockdown. Was there any given hole where you kind of felt comfortable, or was that not until that upshot on 18? Um, when, so there's, like, a couple of moments. Like, I started to get more and more comfortable. Um, when I got the par save on 16, um, that was mm. that was huge. I was like, yeah. you're that much closer <laughs> and then the the tee shot on 18 had me feeling like I was even closer and then the upshot on or the second shot on 17 oh, okay um, once i once i got the upshot on 17 inbounds i i pretty much was like that that's it you you won the tournament you've done it and then i then i stood on 18 and Kind of had some scenarios go through my head. Um, I think it was maybe Nate Doss talking them into my head because I'm sure he was on the live <laughs> going through every single possible way that I could have messed it up. Yeah, I mean that's that's but, a uh, that's a three time world champ right there. Like thinking of all the scenarios, oh, he's, he's on the t- he's seen it all. You know, he's seen it all. You know, I he, yeah. when you were sitting there by the tree for your upshot on 18, his call was throw it as far as you can. And go OB deep because he didn't want to see you flip it over. Oh, look at that. Oh, this is how big he is. That's not a chunky baby. I've seen some chunky babies in my day. That is not, that is a good, healthy baby. Uh, I don't know. Awesome. Me and McKenzie are not very big people. So this that's... is a big baby. Oh, all right. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you that, though. I've seen little babies that look like the Michelin man. 
Hello. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that is phenomenal. Awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I, I was saying, right, like, when you were standing by the tree for your approach shot, Nate Doss's idea was just throw it as far as you can. Go basket hunting, he said. Go deep in the basket, OB, so you don't go OB right. You took a different method. You had a nice little approach shot, put it short, laid up for an easy tap in. Um, what were you thinking? Did, did were all those scenarios running through your head as well when you were sitting there? Did you did you weigh the opp- op- or not the opportunity, the option to blow past the basket and then have an easy comeback, or what was your thought on that final? We'll say final approach. Um. So my thought was just try and get it inbounds. Okay. Try to try to just put it try to put it on the island. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of people that were like, "Why didn't he just lay up?" Well, because if I lay up and then I get nervous and shank a shot, I bring mm-hmm. double bogey into play. Yeah. So with with the landing strip, with the green not being an island, throwing that patent pending hyzer, I I would have crossed farther up there than just laying up. So I would have been able to lay up from wherever I crossed. So I saw that as my like worst case scenario. I lay up, take a bogey. So that's why I went for it. And uh, I went for it in a way that I would if I needed the birdie. Yeah. Because I, okay. I, I think I was circle's edge or just inside or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, so I, I essentially played it like I would if, if the tournament was still on the line. Okay. Now, did you know exactly what the scores were? Like, break down that conversation with Ari or any other card mates, but, or yourself. Like, did you know stepping onto 18 exactly what the situation was or not yet? Yes. On, on 18, I knew what the situation was. I believe it was like 14 when I had that big swing with, with Aaron. Mm hmm. Um, I birdied and I believe he double bogeyed. And after that, I said, are we tied? And she goes, no, you're winning. And I was like, because in my head, like we kind of keep scores in our head. Sure. Like sure. The person playing against, I'm sure you've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, did I just tie it up? And she's like, no, you're winning. And I said, no, I'm not. Let me see that. <laughs> like, let me see the score. <laughs> um, like, she can't read you. I was say, how many, how many rounds has she scored in her, in her career? And you're like, mm, are you sure, Ari? <laughs> well, it just didn't make sense because I was like three or four strokes back, like two holes ago. Sure. So well. it was just, it happened so quick that I was just like, you're lying. Like, you're just saying this. So I play more confident next hole. Mm. Uh, okay, so I had yep, to see yep. for myself, and then at that that moment, I I I was aware of what Gannon was doing, and that I wasn't just playing against Aaron. Yeah, and that I mean, what an interesting dynamic that like uh, off yeah, the fifth you, card. Yeah, you're beating <laughs> you're beating the you know the leader that came into the round. You got all of them covered. You got all of Chase covered. Oh, but there's this guy on fifth freaking card. <laughs> you know that's that's on like a seven, eight, nine hole birdie streak. Uh, yeah, we got to right. worry about him because again, he was you know just not qu- when you're on 14 and 15, he's just about getting to 17, 18, and trying to close out this 10 hole birdie streak and actually make you finish. Like mm-hmm. yeah. that was crazy. Yeah, he was definitely putting something special together, but I I expected nothing less from the guys that were were chasing. 
You know, I yeah, mean, but there was some incredible talent. Um, I mean, Cal, yeah. I think Calvin was the closest one. Um, so I, I think like after six or seven holes, I had enough birdies that I, I was like, I asked Ari, I said, I'm not worried about Calvin right now, am I? And she said, no, you're not. <laughs> How? So she was, she was like letting me know the scores without telling me exactly yeah. what they were. She was, she was like, how I asked her, I said, at some point, are you going to tell me the scores before the round even started? And she was like, how about I just let you know if you're okay or not? So that's yeah. what she was doing. I, I mean, there's a lot of people that don't like to know the actual scores. We've heard it here so many times, you know, for better or worse. Hey, you know, I went into hole 18. I didn't know if I was up or down or tied. And it's like, that's not a for personally. I don't think that's a good idea to do, but having a caddy that can at least inform you, if you don't know the scores, just be like, you're good. Or you might want to run this one. Something like that. I think is, yeah. is, is really yeah, I think, nice. I think final round, final round. When you get to the back nine, you need to know what the scores are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you have, you have nine more holes and you got 16, 17 and 18 on that course. And you just you just need to to know what you're doing because you might have to change your game plan a little bit to win. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And those holes, you know, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, also played as the three most difficult holes on the course, which is is I don't want to say bizarre, but it's crazy to think of it that way that those play as as challenging as they do and so knowing that literally anything can happen obviously we saw you know some struggles in the fpo and mpo on i was gonna say 17 but 16 17 they, 16 they all and got 17 people. i mean they happened everywhere and every in both divisions and it was just absolutely wild to see what could go down uh on those holes so yes. and i was i was surprised that 16 was the hardest hole because i thought 17 was the hardest hole okay and, and in my own head, 17 was like, was the hole that would mess you up. Yeah. I mean, just so easy and, and, and not to pick on her, but we saw how it could be if you were, did what cat did, which, you know, to throw it over the water, but to, excuse me, never cross in bounds and then and try just again, keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Like clearly that's, you know, how easily it could, it could rack up. And, um, that's exactly what happened on her end. It was, yeah. But talk a little bit about, yeah, it was hot, which maybe, you know, played in your favor being, you know, pretty used to Texas type heat, but talk about the, the wind or, or lack of the wind. I mean, how much worse was it on Sunday as opposed to Saturday and Friday's rounds? I'd say Friday was like, kind of like, okay, there's a little bit of wind here. Um, Saturday, there was no wind and I was actually upset <laughs> because I need wind to keep my disc in the air sure so um i felt like i wasn't the like i had to make a lot of long putts that round because i wasn't throwing very far yeah okay um, and then sunday it was in your face it felt like because it was so much more than the previous two days it i don't think it was like anything crazy but it was just so much more than what we had had played the two rounds before that it felt like a lot more everything felt a little bit harder. Yeah. I mean, when I remember asking Brian Earhart a couple different times throughout the round and he's like, 
it feels like it's in your face on every hole, which doesn't make sense clearly as yeah. you're, you know, making this circle around the course, so to speak, uh, or this, you know, traipsing around in all these different directions. He's like, it just feels like almost every time it's just constantly is in our face. Uh, it didn't seem to yeah. make sense. You never know what it's going to do to your putts out there either, because it does feel like it's in your face all the time. Yeah. And, and then various corridors and, and the trees and the way that they, you know, uh, you know, I think of a whole like whole, uh, I think it's both six and eight, maybe a little bit where I feel like at least on eight you're, or six. Yeah. You're going through three different fairways. It's like a line of trees, fairway, a line of trees, fairway, a line of trees, fairway. Like yeah. just knowing that the wind is either going up and down those fairways or crossing your disc. It, it just has to be really inconsistent. Yeah, you really have no idea until you throw it and see and just watch what have it happens to your disc. Are you the type that will go watch any any footage from the weekend, whether it's a Jomez or a, a, a Disc Golf Network or anything? Will you bother going back and watching any part of it, or or is that just that's you know I don't know your own memories and how you lived it, or will you go watch anything from it? Yeah, I mean I'll I'll go watch it. Um... I didn't watch the the whole round. I went and and watched like a few of the the key moments um of that round that that I was just I was proud of and um I watched my upshot on 18 cuz I wanted to know what um Nate and Yuli thought of my decision to just go mm. for the island. Um and what did yeah, they say? I watched a little bit, a little bit. Um they were just like yeah, just if anything, go OB. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like just 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 go OB up there. Yep. And yeah, that was that was essentially my plan, except I threw it in the middle of the island. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this. The from what I saw on T shots on eighteen this weekend, the T shot now it did kinda almost flirt with the OB at the at the very end of the flight. But that T shot I think was one of the, the farthest shots I saw all weekend, which I think in itself was incredible that not only was it essentially online, but it was also covered the most distance. Did did you feel like you juiced it? Did you know? I mean, you kind of think you clapped after you threw it, but did you know just how good that shot was going to be? I didn't know that it was going to push the OB line because I thought it was impossible. (laughs) Okay. Um, I knew I hit the exact line I want. I'm going for that inside gap with the backhand that Heiser's back back left um, to open up the angle into the green. Um, okay. But I clapped because I hit my line. Yeah. I I didn't know exactly where it was going to land, but I hit my line. I hit that first gap. I I won the tournament right there. Okay. I didn't hit the three trees off the tee box. I was just going to say, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Clear of first available, which is what I would assume was, was the most exciting part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I looked at everything. I looked at the forehand. I looked at the, the Heiser forehand, the, the flex forehand, the flick up the middle. Uh, I, I looked at it all before I threw that. And then I just decided to throw the same shot I've been throwing all week. Is, is there, Anything that uh, you really regret that you look back and you're like, man, what a dumb play or move or, or decision I made. And maybe it was the last round or maybe it was any time during the weekend. Was there anything you're like, 
man, that was definitely the dumbest or the worst thing that happened to me all weekend. Does anything stick out? Um, maybe shanking my tee shot on 13 or 12. 12, maybe the final round. Going OB on that tee shot. That's just. Uh, oh, uh, 12 is the with the I island? I threw it straight in the tree. Uh, uh, oh, 11. 11. That's where you struggled, right? Is it 11? Yeah, 11. Yeah, uh, 11. Yeah, you took 11. a bogey on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was 11. Yeah, my, 11. both my tee shots on 10 and 11, I thought those were just the the worst shots I could have thrown in that moment. Okay. I mean, obviously, I got lucky on, on 10, and I was very fortunate. Um, but yeah, in my head, I'm like, like, have you played this game before? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Nerves are a thing, man. I mean, you, you get you get to the back nine, and you've got a chance to win a pro tour event that has to run through your head. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine control of my drives or my putts <laughs> or anything in, in that type of scenario. And maybe it's different. You know, Terry and I have both won small events. Terry's won a little bit bigger ones. I think you got an A tier under your belt. <laughs> Am right. No, no, pro. Oh, no. I suppose you won Northwoods. But just being there and having to execute pinpoint drives, do you do anything to calm yourself when you're on the tee? Um, I, I try and visualize the line um, before I'm throwing. So I kind of clear my head and, and visualize seeing the disc fly down the fairway exactly where I want it to go. Um, and it... It worked out most of the time during that last round. <laughs> uh, well, like you said, it, it it worked on 18, which is what officially helped you uh, put it to bed, which was incredible. I want to mention, before we let you go, um, 112 people picked you in their lineups for Skip Ace last week mm-hmm. out of, I think, about four or 5,000 is about the average number of picks that we get. And 112 people... And seven people somehow got you as as an alternate, which means they picked someone that didn't show up mm. close to your rating. So who, someone probably registered that was right around your rating. They fell off. We give them a different alternate. They got you. So seven people didn't pick you, but still got all the points for you winning. Um, and so far, 14 people have picked you for Beaver State. <laughs> so... Well, hopefully Under- they're listening and they have time to switch that. I'm yeah, sure they do. They, they do, and then a uh, little... I recommend uh, picking Corey Ellis for Beaver ah, State. Oh, okay. that's a good one, yeah. Redemption. He has some redemption for that tournament. As long yep. as his putter doesn't fall out of the bottom of the basket, yep. I think he's good. <laughs> I, knew, I knew we'd hear that. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yes, uh, he, Corey Ellis certainly is a good pick uh, for out there as well. I, I feel like he has most weekends, but yeah, definitely out there as well, like you're saying. Oh, I can't imagine the number of times we're going to see that replayed this weekend on the broadcast. Hopefully not enough. We, no, Nobody wants to relive that pain. Not Corey, not really any of the I think organizers. You have, I think no you have to show it at least once. I'm sure we will. but It's uh, going to be shown. Yeah, It, it will um, be it'll shown. It'll probably but. be. It'll be on the Pro Tour's Instagram, I'm sure. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, I mean, if, uh, if they posted Drew kicking the ground at OTB and falling. <laughs> that's to be fair. That's that one of our one of the favorite. greatest moments in all of, like, covered disc golf, though. <laughs> that's like, to, to have someone in the mood he was to then do that to himself, I'm sorry. I feel like, and I don't care who the person was, 
yeah. that if it would have been anyone else, I would feel the same uh, regardless of who the person is. That was just a classic, like, yeah, that was a classic moment. That's one of two shots that I, that are two of my favorites, one of which we we didn't even, I don't think we ever showed it live on the broadcast. It was at DDO, uh, uh, I think it was, was it Ben, maybe? Who was looking at like a, a maybe a sixty or seventy foot approach, and it, I think it caught on his finger, and it went like just almost ninety degrees to his right, just whoop okay. right into right into the front of a tree, and he looks at it, and he's got this crazy look on his face. I don't know if I've ever seen a pro throw a shot like that wide open that poorly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that uh, and, and and Drew Gibson's kick, I think those are two of my favorites. I don't know, I yeah. All right, Emerson, Emmer Daddy, as uh, if you give this story because there's a lot of people like I sometimes I feel bad we're in the booth and we may refer to whether it's a nickname or it's an Instagram handle or whatever or or cat, you know, uh, standing there with the sign just just so people can hear it out of your own mouth. Where does what's the nickname and where does it come from? All right, so this goes back to, I can't remember what, maybe it was like, it was Idlewild, but I can't remember how long ago this was, but it was a long time ago. It was before I had kids. It was before I was married. So I believe Corey Merle is doing coverage okay, or commentating with Central Coast. I believe it's him and Ian. Okay. I think. Um, and I made a big putt on 17 and Corey goes, Emmer son, more like Emmer daddy. And it kind of just stuck and people heard it and I can't get away from it. So I embrace it. <laughs> and yeah. now you're a father of two. Yep. And yeah, so uh, now, it's, now it's even more fitting. It's my Instagram handle. Um, but that's just because what everyone calls me, um, so just so everyone knows, I didn't pick that myself. I didn't just tell people to call me daddy. <laughs> call me Emma they Daddy. Just started... <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay with it, but it's gonna happen that way. That's and how the nickname, the right? Best, yeah. The best nicknames are clearly the ones that nobody picks for themselves. Yeah, somebody it, else has to pick it. Yeah, out. exactly. It's gonna be stupider. Call yourself the disc golf guy who does that, idiot. <laughs> anyway, all right, Emma Daddy. Uh, in all seriousness, we want you to uh, shout out any sponsors. Tell us your your uh, your, your social media handles. Uh, we want you to tell us how people can go out and support you, all the different ways. Floor is yours. Uh, take it away. Okay. First, I want to thank you all for having me on. Um, I think uh, I don't know if I've ever been on. Maybe once before. You were, which but, I'm uh, gonna have a story about in a minute. But go on. Yeah, but I'm very proud that I'm sitting here talking with y'all about winning my first uh, Elite Series. Um, I want to thank Lone Star, of course, and then Legit. Um, I was wearing their hats all weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd like to thank Drive Bags. Their chalk bags kept my hands nice and nice and dry all, all weekend. Um, and then all the people that support me, um, I'm going to name off a few. Uh, my wife, of course, my dad, my Uncle Mike. Um, Josh, good friend of mine from Michigan, Ari, Fernando Leal, um, and then just all the local Dallas disc golfers that have supported me and and uh, been rooting me on for all these years. I just want to say thank you to everybody. 
Um, and then if you want to support me, I have the OTB disc coming out. Um, it, I believe it drops on the 25th. There are some places that are doing pre-orders. Um, but that will will drop soon. Um, Lone Star just released a starter pack. Uh, I believe it's called the EK Texas 3-Step. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that features a blue bonnet, which is the putter I use. Um, a Texas Ranger, which is the mid-range I threw my approach on 18 with the final day. And then a bayonet, which that was the driver I was throwing all over the place. So it was fitting that it was those three. So if you want to support me, go go get those from the Lone Star website. And um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, um, I believe my handle is emberdaddy. I had to switch it. <laughs> yeah, it uh, used to be something. Else. Yeah, I know because I remember looking at it uh, as well. Oh, it's emberdaddy underscore tx. Yes, Texas. That's right. That's what I saw. Gotcha. Yes, had to change that a little bit. Okay. Uh, yes, please, everyone. As you said, go support them. Follow them along. I, I was uh, real quick then before we let you go. I do have to follow up on this. I was talking to Nate Doss. I think we were on the way to the airport at four a.m. on Monday, and we were talking about you being on the show. And I said, I think the last time he was on was a couple of years ago. And I didn't remember how in the world this went on. But the cops showed up in the middle of our interview. You, does that ring a bell? And like, maybe they were at the wrong house and you stayed on with us because we we're like, no, we'll let you go. And you're like, no, 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 it's good. Do you, do you, does any of this ring a bell? I think I remember that. Do we, do we, are these recordings saved? Yeah, they're saved. So we could, we all could go then. We we'll go do our research. But I am absolutely oh. positive at one point during the interview, you, I think you were sitting on your couch. You were talking to us. We were having the conversation. And then the cops absolutely showed up. And it, and it was, it was like nothing to do with you. Uh, Cause I remember yeah. like we pretty much dealt with it. And then we're like, okay. And then we just moved on. Uh, so I'll, we'll have, okay, well, we'll have to go see what in the world that might've been. I, I don't know if they went to the wrong house or what it was, but I know we had a conversation at you. So you've been on the show before. Cause I remember telling Nate, that's, that's one of the things I remember talking to you about. Episode 259. We had Emerson Keith, Paige Yerkes at the time for the Rocky mountain women's disc golf championship. So, all right. Well, so a little over two years ago, so we'll have to go, uh, we can all go relive that and take a look, or maybe some of our, our most emphatic smashies remember that as well. But that was the story I was telling Nate Doss on the way to the airport yesterday morning is like, he's been on right. the show and maybe I remember someone the, will it, but... yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> find it. But, uh, the cops absolutely showed up. So pretty funny again, it had nothing to do with you that much. I did remember, but well, this is just how we looked. Look at him. There he is. Two years ago. Look at us two years ago. Look how ago. clean cut you are. Look at that. Look at that. Nice haircut you had going on. Huh. My, my kids just, like to play with this, so I'd leave it. <laughs> scroll through there. See if there's any. Because I remember he like picked up the phone and like went to the door and uh, had a conversation or dealt with them or something. Yeah, we'll we'll have to go back anyway. and we'll have to go back and look, but at some point. <laughs> so kind of funny. Uh that's part of what I remember. So Ryan Pilcher says he remembers. So 
Emerson, I, you know, uh, being in the booth, it was, it's always special, uh, watching all, every event, honestly, but then watching someone like yourself, you know, take down your first title, uh, the method in which you did it, you know, that much more special, you know, that you get the course record on Saturday, you go out and you get the job done on Sunday. And, uh, just honestly, it was, it was a real pleasure to watch and couldn't be happier for you. So yet again, congratulations. And thank you so much for joining us. Tonight. And happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. In a couple of days. As I well. do want to share one funny thing before I go. Uh-oh. Sure. So I get, I have a long night of flights and layovers and, and mm-hmm. all that. So I make it back to Texas at about 6 AM. I make it to my house at about seven and I go to sleep. And my daughter wakes me up around like 11 and she goes, the first words that she says to me, not hi daddy, or I love you. Nothing. She goes, where's your trophy? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Straight up. Where's your trophy? Does <laughs> she want the golden? Like some people didn't realize, first of all, those are foxes, uh, carved Red out tail. of wood that was right there from the course and, and you know, wood pulled right off the course. And then those are real gold nuggets that are the eyeballs is what we were told. Yeah. Yeah. I believe there's a video out there. Um, I'm not sure where it is, but um, someone posted a video of how they made it. Okay. Oh. Well, we'll have to check My that out. My dad told me that he watched it on how, how it was made. So someone made, someone made a video of how it was, it was made and, uh, I tried to give her the little stuffed fox mm-hmm. <laughs> that they gave along with the trophy. She doesn't uh-huh. want anything to do with that. She wants the, the wooden one. She's been carrying it around all day. Well, well there you go. Can't I mean, be more proud than that. Heck yeah. Honestly. And, and yeah. honestly, there's been kind of a little running joke that a lot of people weren't impressed or enthused with the MVP disc that was handed out last year to Simon and Paige. And then, uh, you know, there was a really, obviously, a really concerted effort to make sure that the trophy game was up. And some people still didn't love them. I say F them all. Oh, I'm sure you, you and your daughter them. absolutely <laughs> love it, right? Loves it. So there you go. Not, yeah. so nothing it. else in the world matters. I have it. Exactly. I love so. it because I have it. I don't it it could be the disc from last year. I would I wouldn't care. That's, Thank you. That's what we always Thank say. You. That's what I love to hear. So all right, man. Seriously appreciate the heck out of you uh we know you get some uh busy weeks coming up and also that uh some well-deserved time off uh so hopefully you and your entire family just so proud of the accomplishment and the work that you've done out there grinding it out for these last couple of years and we know this might be uh just the catalyst to many wins floodgates are open now yeah we're looking forward to it buddy we'll be here for it yeah thank you all right have a good night emerson take care y'all too I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Emerson Keith, everyone. Next time I see him, likely at the Bourbon Cowboy. It will be. <laughs> it will be. <laughs> at DDO. Uh, at, uh, at the uh, DDO. Is he a regular uh, there? I'm sometimes there. I know there. you're. I, I'm sometimes there. No, and sometimes, sometimes I see him. So that's why I'm just saying if if this if if you didn't want to bring it up with him when he was t- here to t- chat. No, that, you know? no, he knows. He knows. He knows. If you know, you if, know. If, if time and space allows, we may see it, one another uh, around a pool table. And uh, he's not. He's not riding the bull. He's from Texas. You he, don't know. Maybe he will this year. Maybe he will this year. He should. No reason not to. So, uh, congratulations. We've all done it. Congratulations, uh, Emerson Keith. Let's talk about all the losers. I mean, the people that didn't win. Oh, the losers. We can talk about the losers in this event. We talked about the winner. Now we talk about the losers. The first loser is Gannon Burr. What a loser only having one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine birdies in a row on yeah. the on that uh, back nine. And unfortunately, with the uh, the bogey on 18, Put him out of contention. It would have been kind of fun and interesting to see him birdie that last hole. He was in he was in position to see what would have pushed Emerson. Because then Emerson would have needed a birdie to win as opposed to being able to just walk it in with a par. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Gannon threw a crappy shot on 18. Oh, well. In third place... Isaac Robinson, who's on the decline now. Yes. He won Champions Cup. Uh Uh-huh. Then he took second at Jonesboro. Now he's third? That is trending in the wrong direction. I'm just saying. How steep is that slope? I tell you. Well, it's clearly one to one. So I I know. Rise over run or something. Something like that. Uh, But congratulations to Isaac Robinson. Another really great weekend. Had a rough back nine, uh, which can happen out here at the OTB. But that puts him tied for third with Cole Radalin. And Aaron Gossage, Aaron obviously coming off last week's win at the 303, able to follow up with a really good win. And if Isaac Robinson had a bad back nine, Aaron Gossage had a horrendous back nine. A lot of pars, two doubles, and a single. Just, I feel for the guy that's got to be a rough position. I don't know... If it's a combination of bad luck or nerves or what. We've seen Aaron perform at the World Championships, pushing Paul McBeth to extra holes. Not saying that nerves can't be there for an Elite Series, which he doesn't have yet. But sometimes it just goes against you. Uh, Tied for sixth, Anthony Barella, Calvin Heimberg, and James Proctor. In ninth place, Vino Makala. And tied for 10th, we have a three-way with Double G, Jake Hebenheimer, and Gavin Rathbun. Those are your top 10 at the OTB Open for MPO. Do you have any thoughts on the MPO Uh, uh, Yeah, just real quick I'll say, and I know we kind of touched on it a little bit with Emerson, just the fact that you know, we always say, well, look who throws far. It's the longest, you know, it's the longest course on the tour. Look who throws far. Who's got an advantage? And then inevitably, regardless of what the lines are, we always throw in a Kelvin Heimberg, who's rated 
highest rated player mm-hmm. in the world right now or one of the top ranked players, depending on which freaking stat you want to look at. Uh, he's clearly one of the best in the world. So you always have to put him in there. Eagle McMahon, who's talked openly about feeling good, playing good and ready to go to see him struggle the way that he did, I think is very surprising. And then obviously Simon Lazat, same thing, defending champion, um, and proving that he has all the skills already this year, then for him to show up and then not perform uh, clearly has to be surprising to to almost everybody. I mean, two years ago, Simon Lazat has that finish, and you may not you know think much of it, but with the way we've seen him really transition his game and to see all the wins that he's picked up since this event last year, you think like, okay, he's clearly dialed, and this is a almost a different Simon struggled throughout the weekend and so you have to be uh, look at that as very much a surprise and then from there you want you may or may not look at some of your other long throwers and think hey did you let yourself down by not giving your yourself a chance to win this event uh you know being so much length on this course but the length came with danger and so the ob stats really showed who was performing well and as we saw, Emerson, who I think was second in OB, mm-hmm. meaning that second, second the least, best. yeah. Um, I, I mean, you can throw far all you want, but if you can't keep it in bounds, it doesn't do you any good. Yeah. So uh, I don't think there's anything else. Uh, if we have the, let me see if I can pull up the stats in front of me. I don't know if there's anything that was, so to speak, surprising, I guess. Other things that are worth mentioning, if you pull that back up, because it's uh, you start thinking about it now that it is actually May. Uh, Emerson Keith qualifies for the USDGC with mm-hmm. that. Um, who uh, Cole Radallin gets his USDGC bid with that. We scroll down. We see uh, Jake Hebenheimer secures his, as does Gavin Rathbun. So clearly, uh, just another thing to think about. Some of these guys are very excited. Everyone wants to secure that spot as quickly as possible. Um, I don't think there's anything else major to speak of. We've we've had a very small sample size of seeing Yakub Samarad on coverage and in the limelight. Clearly, he's a good player. Clearly, he had the battle that he did with Greg Barsby last year. We've seen him once or twice since then, and then it just didn't seem like a lot went right for him as he was trying to close out this round uh, at the OTB Open. Um, I don't know if there was a lot else within the MPO as you scroll down. Peter Welk, <laughs> talk about a turnaround. Uh, I mentioned him. He, I think, shot what, eight over. What and happened? 11. I, I, <laughs> like, I'm, I, I don't I, know, but he shot eight over in round one. I Silly, I remember this by memory, right? Eight over, yep, round he, one. Round two, 19 strokes better, shoots an 11 under, It's and at the time had a tie for the course record. I'm, I'm looking at his round one score, and I'm sorry, Peter. The back like, nine the happened. front The front nine was like, okay, I got one bird. So the funny thing is, the front nine from round one and round two. <laughs> round one, front nine, he got one birdie, hole three. Round two, front nine, he got seven birdies, but didn't get hole three. Arguably the one. easiest hole on the course. Uh, but he got the rest of them. I, I just, how, yeah. like, if you look at this. Maybe he threw away all his bad discs. Look, at he had seven OBs. He just, he just in the throwing them in the water. Half, in the I back half those. of round one. And then maybe he tossed those all away and was like, okay, I've got a whole new bag for round. I, I, I don't mean, know. Clearly, a lot of OB. I would love to talk to Peter <laughs> and just be like, what happened, dude? Because you, as you can see, he's a solid player. He's a good player, yeah. but he's not so much of a known name. Yeah. And, well, and so to, to come out and you, 
someone whose name you don't know to hear, oh, they shot eight over at OTB. You're thinking like, all right, whatever. But then to come back and shoot like a, a, a course record time 12 down at the time and 11 under. And then follow it up with another, what, eight, eight under. Yeah. Like just, I mean, so he was right there. Amazing. Except for, you know, the back nine except around for the, that, That's got to suck. Maybe like, he took vacation early or something. For just walked, afternoon. just went to the wrong hole, went I, to the wrong course. No, poor, I don't know. I, I was informed, thanks to Alan Risley, AJ's father, that I, I believe it was him that messaged me and said that his, his nickname is Park Job Welk. Okay. Uh, it wasn't during the back nine of round one, and I'm not, and I say that lovingly because he yes. turned it on so well. But we can uh, say that because he'd shot so exactly. Well. So anyway, uh, no, there were no other major storylines that I can really think of that were just unbelievable. Well, let's but talk Simon about and Eagle missing cash. That's yeah, that's interesting because I I don't pick winners very often like someone who I think is going to win an event because it's so tough to pick an actual winner. Mm-hmm. I picked Eagle. Honestly, I flat out said, I think Eagle's going to yeah, win sure. this and then doesn't cash. Yeah, I, that, and <laughs> just cr- nobody just would crazy. argue with no, you. No, no. I mean, he's, one person, he played like, really oh, well. You're an idiot. He played really well. And he was saying how he's all, he loves this West coast swing. It sets up really well for him, blah, blah, blah. And then just doesn't show up. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about FPO before we get into any of the weekend drama in the FPO field. This new up-and-comer, Paige Pierce. She wins. Uh, what? I think she's going to be something someday. But I mean, She's only won like 50% of the Pro Tour events she's played this year. <laughs> Paige Pierce shooting 25 under par. Beating Own Scoggins by four. Congratulations to Paige on that victory. I don't know if I want to talk about... Let me talk about Own real quick. Own Scoggins has more has more podium finishes in the last year than Kristen Tatar, which is kind of silly. Cons- Did she beat her by one? Yeah, she just okay. she she just got I was her. Going to say because Kristen's missed it like once. Yeah, because she she just got it, <laughs> and we're talking just I think just the oh, uh, actual DGPT. quantity, the actual, actual number quantity, not necessarily because Kristen a has missed a few, not percentage. Correct, but sure. It does go to show how. Well, Owen is doing because Owen skipped one or two events. Uh, sure. And Kristen obviously has missed some. But how consistent Owen is up at the top of our leaderboard for a player who, I mean, look at the other top three. Paige Pierce, Emily Beach, Ella Hansen. Arguably three of the furthest throwers in our sport. Yeah. And then Owen Scoggins, who just gets it done. And I swear if Owen could just get rid of the... One or two <laughs> forehands around that she throws right into the yeah, ground, like a hundred feet off the. I tee, just, off the tee. I would. Yeah, you sca- could probably. She scares me so much because that disc, the way it forehands when it even even when it works, looks like it's going to go into the ground, but it's so stable that it just comes out and then flexes over. An amazing player, but anyway, third place Emily Beach, fourth place Ella Hansen, fifth place Missy Gannon, sixth Haley King, seventh. Maria Oliva, who had a pretty good weekend. <laughs> she's not a name we've talked about much this season. Uh, she tends to kind of have one really bad throwaway round that always knocks her down into kind of the mid-tier of the players. But congratulations to Maria. Um, tied for eighth place, Kat Merch, your winner at Jonesboro. And Stacy Haas, not Haas, Haas. And in 10th place, Sai Ananda. Welcome back to the tour, Sai. 
Obviously, the last time we saw her was a win down in Texas. So, not bad coming back and taking 10th place. Yeah. Um, what I will say, uh, and I know, I feel like I said this in an Instagram, and I'm going to repeat it now. Go ahead. I'll allow and I it. Meant, I meant to say this as we were closing out, and I it slipped my mind surprisingly. And Val, Val at one point said to me, she's like, oh, I thought you were going to say that. But you didn't. For the hundredth time, eh, maybe not the hundredth. You can only beat the people that showed up. Oh, please, this but, is dumb. But because obviously, a lot of people want to. You want my internet voice? No, please. Okay, but what a lot of people <laughs> suggest is that well, page one because Kristen's not there, and I think that you're a moron if you think that her scores weren't impressive. And possibly would have easily superseded another competitor, if, especially when you're looking at what she had done after the two rounds. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy to me that the first thing that so many people feel like they need to go to is the fact that Kristen wasn't there, and as if it was in 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 any way invalidated. Which she averaged like a thousand and ten or something. And that's kind of my point is like there's more than one way to look at it to realize that she played a damn good weekend of golf. And I'm not saying Kristen couldn't have beat her, and I'm not saying that it wouldn't have been close. I'm not saying or saying, well, this is obviously hers no matter what. Clearly, mm-hmm. and the dynamic can be different when she's physically mm-hmm. there, when she's not. I understand all of that. But Paige put up elite series winning scores. Exactly. That's all you have to say. And I wish people could a ten thirty three rated enough round. to understand that. Was it last week that you and I were joking that the story was going to be um, Paige Pierce only wins when Tatar's not there? I don't know if we said it here on the broadcast or or we were or it was like a private uh, message that you and I were talking about at one point that we're going from Paige's washed to. Paige only wins when Tatar is not there because she doesn't feel the pressure and all these stupid things that people are going to say. And I'll be the first to, first to say that Paige came out at the press conference and more or less said, hey, I'm here to win. I still have a passion. I still love this sport. And I've questioned her now and again as far as her... Com- not, I don't say her commitment. I think she's very committed that... On occasion, I think when she gets down, it's hard for her to get back. Whether she gets into a slump or whatnot, or if you're not going to... We know kind of some of the players have the mentality of, if I'm not going to win, I'm just going to go out and throw. And I don't know if Paige falls into that or not. I'm not in her head. I don't know. But we've talked about the skill level that Paige Pierce has and that Kristen Tatar has. I've equated it to Kristen Tatar is always driving like 85 to 90 miles an hour. Paige Pierce can put it up to 110, but sometimes she goes 60. And Tar seems to have that consistency that is almost unbreakable. Paige Pierce, as we saw this weekend, she goes 110 miles an hour sometimes, which is funny because she said this weekend she actually dialed back her drives. Yeah. Due to her, you know, her shoulder injury, she was only throwing whatever, 80, 90%, whatever that number is. And I don't know if anyone is here to uh, measure it accurately. I think that if Paige can kind of pull what 
maybe Simon does and focus more or focus less on distance, more on golf and control. I mean, rumors of her demise are greatly exaggerated. Yeah, and it's um, really impressive to see a little over, what'd you say, a little over 1,004 average. So obviously, really good golf this weekend, no matter how you look at it. And Mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to say congratulations uh, to her. It was such an interesting perspective because when she said during her interview, she's like, I've won half of the Pro Tour events I've played this year. And when you look at it that way, because everybody (laughs) wants to focus on her non-success. But then you say to somebody, would you be happy if you won, if you won half the events you play? You can't win half the leagues you enter, league nights you enter, let alone winning half. It just, she has a different bar. She has a different standard. She's put herself at a different standard, as has Kristen now throughout these last few years, as has a, a, a Katrina or any of our other dominant players, and including a, a, a McBath or a Wysocki on the MPO side. They obviously have a much higher floor. So they're, they're, everyone's expectations are that much higher. But the fact that she's won two out of the four events that she's played on the Pro Tour this year, we saw her not perform well. Well, she admittedly, mm-hmm. readily opened. She was signif- uh, openly admitted she was significantly injured at Champions Cup. And I... Mm-hmm. I, and oh, this, I, I personally and, wrote that one off. And that's but. the problem is I almost wish just for... Uh, a clear understanding. I almost wish she wouldn't have played because people are going to forever hold that eh. performance against her in, in how it, poorly she played. It'll be forgotten. I don't know. I, I, I don't think it will be. That's the problem. The idiots won't forget it because they'll want to constantly bring it up and then hold the, that against her. Again, and I hate that. The hard part is right now we have a, you know, I'm going to put this in quotes, a new shining face in Kristen Tatar. And, She's been around for a few years, but the last year and a half, it's been the Tatar show. So now suddenly, and on top of having a whole influx of new players over the last two to three years, they don't remember the years where Paige Pierce just crushed fields. And there's, even if you tell them, they're going to say things like, well, the field was weaker. It was different. And fine, whatever. But just to think that Paige Pierce still has the ability to come out and crush a field. She does. She is still, in my opinion, the best female player our sport has. When she's at the top of her game, she is the best player out there. I I will put Paige Pierce at her best. She will beat Kristen Tatar at her best. And that's just because Paige has... So such a high ceiling. She has so much experience. The question is, how often are we going to see Paige at her best? Because we are comparing when Paige takes 25th place or misses cash. She's now getting compared to Kristen Tatar, who just doesn't miss hardly the podium, much less cash. The stakes are different. The, the weights are different. You have to, it's, it's so hard to explain the dominance that she had, you know, it, it's, I feel that way about Val too. Like people don't remember how good Val was because yeah. it was so long ago, but just in general, comparing well, Kristen your to ignorance Paige, show through You're you're no, letting just, your lot, lack just, of knowledge show just a lack of history. 
Well, lack of knowledge, lack of. I don't history. want to call it ignorance, but because well, I don't expect being without without knowledge. Isn't that the definition think, of ignorance? I kind of feel like ignorance is, is like purposeful, but it's. I don't. It's funny because this is on a side note. I really don't expect newer players to really care about the past. Like I, I just, I just don't. If like, you want to make a a, but if you're right, if you want to make a statistical make a huge, argument, bold statement. Then, then you you, need you to should have a little context. <laughs> you can't say, "Well, I've been watching disc golf for two years. I've seen Kristen Tatar dominate for two years. Kristen Tatar is the greatest of all time." Like that. That's that to me is ignorance. And and if you can disagree with me, that's fine. But to me, that is just sheer ignorance. I could argue that, is that a that's very ignorance. very narrow minded, narrow perspective, recency bias, whatever else you want to throw at it. You, Kristen Tatar is great. I mean, nobody's denying that. But just to go off of your own knowledge of a very recent history of the last few years, for instance. I'm in fairly case, certain Paige has more major wins than Tatar has elite series wins. Yes. So, that, <laughs> I mean, just if. So, either way, Paige, congratulations. Still crushing it. And probably will be for the next five to seven years. Just will always be in the conversation. And uh, and I, I'm here for it. I'm excited. But we do need to talk about uh, Natalie Ryan. Natalie Ryan was... Uh, there were some court proceedings last week. Some late filings. If you want to hear a lot of detail about the court proceedings, I think Ultra World has a pretty good podcast on it from last week. Kind of listen. They might even touch on it this week. I, I haven't had a real good chance to listen. But basically, Natalie Ryan won her restraining order on Thursday. The restraining order wasn't a physical one in the sense of... Correct. Of, I have to put it out there. <laughs> uh, but true. it wasn't in the typical restraining order that you think Not of. the kind you have. Yeah, exactly. Where you're not allowed <laughs> to go near someone or near a particular thing or whatever. It was a restraining order on a previous... Uh, I don't even want to call it a judgment. It was a restraining order on the... On the rules. On, on the, the ruling. ruling the, uh, or the new rules, which were to be implemented for this year. So it was, and it was so, an attempt to restrain that. She comes in, plays her first round. I believe she was in like fourth or fifth place. She was in maybe tied for fourth. Well, she was she would have been top of the second card is where she was going to be. She was one stroke off the lead because there was a four-way tie for first. Yep. So she, she All was at, at seven under. six under. Everyone else was at seven. And then there was an appeal that got pushed through very quickly that basically appealed the restraining order on the more or less on the sole basis of the venue the location of where the court proceedings are because Natalie Ryan lives in Virginia and there are pro tour owners namely i believe it was some of the Dodge family that live in Virginia Court more or less decided it has to be done in Virginia. So that's why the restraining order was thrown out, is my understanding. Um, and, all, and as everyone says, this has nothing to do with the actual case. This is all preliminary stuff. The case is still pending. There, are, it, We've got a long way to go before anything happens. This was strictly to a, more or less allow her to play at the OTB. She filed in California for obvious reasons. California being... More liberal courts, uh, a little more acceptant, ex- 
accepting of uh, transgender athletes, blah, 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 all, all the fun stuff. But ultimately, Natalie Ryan was pulled from the event uh, after the first round and then only heard from on her social media. Correct. Uh, yeah, and at that point, we did not see her compete during rounds two or three. Obviously, she's made posts. Other people have made posts. Uh, and pretty much all I'm going to say about her is this is just going to continue uh, in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the courts will have to do what they have to do. Uh, I'm going to assume we might see Natalie continue to play in A-tier events. Uh, I hope so. In, in which events where she has she's every right to. Where she's eligible to play. She'll continue to play in those. And then where this will shake out with the courts, with the Disc Golf Pro Tour, with the PDGA, uh, that's all to be determined. And that's about all there is to it. We don't know what's next. Just sit tight. We'll keep you up to date. I'm sure there will be yeah something that's next, but who knows? Who knows when? And I think that will be really interesting because there was such an emphasis put on, like you said, in California for the OTB Open with this event specifically. Does does the traction slow significantly now that this event is, so to speak, behind us on the schedule? Does any of her traction or or the case does it? I don't want to. I, I lack it, of a better term. Does it fizzle at all for the fact that this event is now behind us? That's what I don't know. It re- yeah, none of us know. But with some recent rulings in Minnesota, with I believe powerlifting, there's a good chance that her lawyer will m- look at that and possibly file something in Minnesota with relation to the preserve. for the preserve. Sure. So just be aware that that could happen. Um, and we don't, obviously, if you're, probably if you're on our board, you understand. Paige said it best, I believe, after her round when she had come out and more or less said, I wanted to shoot well so I could say this. Uh, be nice. You can dis. I know we've said this a thousand times. You can disagree with whether or not Natalie should play in the field. But don't be a dick about it. On either don't, side. On either side. Don't misgender. And if you're and if you're on the side of Natalie playing, don't assume that everybody that doesn't want her to play is a bigot. Just be nice, be respectful, listen, and try to put yourself in other people's shoes. That's all I can say. All uh, right. Um yeah, I don't know if there's anything else that's uh, uh my my final thought is we're at a point of ad nauseum uh when it comes to the conversation largely in that I can predict almost everything oh, that's going to yeah. be said by everyone on 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 any side pro con for against whatever you can predict every single thing that's going to be said and in in any regard, uh, you know, fighting for her or fighting against her, there's not one comment that is any longer original. And if we're at the point of anyone on either side saying something for the, uh, typing it up for the 444th time in the 440th different thread <laughs> of it, I'm to the point where I'm, I'm, 
really comfortable just largely ignoring it all. And you can call me a, a bad media personality for doing as much. I read it and I'm three comments in and I'm already like, okay, this is going to go nowhere for anyone. And why am I going to waste my time? Uh, that is basically the to the point in which I'm at with the entire scenario. When something new comes about, I, I absolutely feel like it's valid to report on it. Outside of that, there's no conversation that can be had that's worthwhile. Uh, so we'll move on. All right, other A tiers within the PDGA. There's something I certainly want to talk about as Johnny's getting ready to pull some stuff up, but other A tiers going on, Johnny. Let's take a look. Lexington Open 25. Which Lexington Open did we play? One and two. <laughs> God Literally damn, we're old. Open. All right, I couldn't remember if it was one and two or it was two and three. I think so. it was one and two. <laughs> oh, God, we're old. Yeah, that math checks out. We were on spring break. Well, you guys and- were getting drunk. In Mexico and doing all sorts of things you well, shouldn't no, be. No, mo- most of them were probably a lot of barely born. not able to drive. But while you guys were doing that, we were we were collecting courses, playing tournaments in Kentucky and in Alabama and in Florida and North Carolina, Georgia, South Carolina. That's what we were doing on spring break in the late '90s and early 2000s before the internet, and we had to look it up on a book. That's what we were doing, <laughs> and we were sending checks in to register. For the tournaments. All right. Winning. We were at this event. 25th Lexington Open. Brandon Brown. Congratulations. Second place tie with Matthew Blakely and Tony Moe Rice. I believe that is. R-E-I-S-S-E. So Reese. We'll go with Reese. In the FPO, Macy Valadiez wins this. Staying off tour for a little bit. Wins by 15 strokes over Nina Guerrero. And in third place, Ashley Bauman. So congratulations, to the men and women who won and cashed at the 25th Lexington Open, Macy Valadiez probably wasn't born when we played. Uh, no, yeah. absolutely she was not. Sweet Jesus, we're old. And the Michigan Class, Michigan Disc Golf Hall of Fame Classic, which is another A tier, winning in MPO. You've got Luke Taylor with an eight-stroke victory over Danny Bochamp, tied for third place. Peyton Stamen and Jared Stoll. Moving down to a very small FPO field, only two women playing. Arena Shakova wins this over Melinda Ring. So congratulations, everybody. Everybody's a winner in my book, Terry, except the people that didn't win. Uh, yeah, and I apologize because I know I had a story, and now I'm trying to find the details for said story. That uh, for some reason isn't checking out with me here. So let me give me one second because this weekend uh, there was a gentleman and I thought he was playing in Kentucky. I thought it was uh, Cole. There it is. I knew I had it. All right. All right. Thanks for being patient. Colby Childress. In relation to <laughs> Henry? No. No. The, the main guy we know. Colby Childress. At the Lexington Open this weekend, back-to-back aces. No. Hole 10 and 11. No. And we know the famous Rock Searle did that a few years ago. Okay, the year was 2000, actually. A few years ago. (laughs) That was at the World Championships in 2000. That's impressive. Uh, It was holes five and six. They both combined for like 350 feet. Still nonetheless I don't care. But Colby, this weekend, an ace on 10, 
314 feet, and ace on 11, the very next hole, 302 feet. Those are some solid aces. Those aren't those aren't chips. Those aren't just you know yeah whoops you know that, that's I, not a that's not a hundred and eighty foot shot or a two hundred and twelve foot shot yeah no those are three, solid aces. So congratulations. I feel like that's a story in itself. Uh, but wait wait wait. How did you follow up the second ace? Oh, I think Every, he might have parred or burned. Wow. Um. I don't think at that point I don't care. I'd go screaming running off the course. <laughs> He birdied. He birdied the next hole. Okay, so two, four, five under in three holes. In three holes, <laughs> solid. Yeah, five under. Uh, he went on to shoot uh, that round. That was his second round at that event, and he shot. Uh, excuse me, I don't know if that was his thousand two rated round. Show round rating. I've never personally seen someone get back to back aces. I have witnessed two people. Get back-to-back cases on the same hole. Yeah. Uh, we were at Sheboygan, Volrath Park, mm-hmm. hole one. I was on hole three watching them tee, and it was two masters. And hole one at Volrath, I think, runs 230. No, not that far. Not even that far? No. <laughs> um, like 194. 190 or 194. Directly, like, we're talking literally... Three feet past the basket, it drops down to a ravine. I watched two two of the masters, uh, and I forget who their names are, get back to back aces. One guy throws, get an ace, woo! Which at Volrath, where every hole is basically under two hundred fifty feet, you constantly are hearing people chain out or hit aces around the course. But then to watch the guy right after him slam it in as well was pretty cool. That's as close as I can say I've, I've seen anything like that. You and I. Yeah, and then the had, one time at league. back-to-back aces. Yeah, you and I at hole, <laughs> like one, hole nine. What was that, 180? Uh, I don't even know if it's that far either. <laughs> but, yeah, hole nine, Valrath, or Valrath at, sorry, Valley View Park. And at league. in the Milwaukee area. Yes, yeah, so you and I, I. I aced, and then you aced. Of course, I had the T. Uh, I ace. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> and then I kept the T. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. You ace. Getting an ace and not getting the T. <laughs> Suck it. Damn you, Miller. Uh, yes, that was, uh, again, that was a league night here many, many years ago. So congratulations. Uh, it looks like 1,038 was the league, was the rating for his round there. He's a 994 rated player, so to have a 1,038 rated round, uh, it, it, awesome because it wasn't like, Hey, I got two aces, and then I ended up having like six other bogey strokes throughout the ride. Like, clearly, uh, quite a day for him. So, I wanted to get a big shout out in there uh, for him. Uh, well deserved. Well deserved. And then almost, I think it was making its rounds today. Maybe you saw. Excuse me, I didn't. I don't think you saw it. Uh, I think it originated on the TikToks, and has made its rounds today. Have you seen? The video of the, the alligator. alligator. Yeah, I was going to save it for the it after up? show. Okay, okay, we can save it for the after show. All right, there yeah. is an incredible. Uh, I was hoping you hadn't seen it. No, largely viral video that well, I think will happen in within disc golf and then some. Uh, we'll show that in the after show, but pretty incredible as well. Unfortunately, uh, if I do the math, I don't think there was anyone filming uh, Colby and. I don't know if there's any coverage of any card, let alone not the first card. So, unfortunately, his memory will just be with him and his group. He, I don't know if he publicly posted or just sent it to me, I but there it was, was a really long write-up. Same disc or no? Uh, there was a long write-up, mm-hmm. and I apologize. He may have sent it to me. Uh, let me quickly check. But 
um, I, he may have actually sent me, I'm guessing he sent the story to every publication, but I think he might have privately sent it to me as well. Well, when you get stuff like that, you know where to send it. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, so pretty, pretty awesome uh, for him to to have such a such a such a moment to mm-hmm. uh, yeah experience that. So I'll have to look and uh, give you guys a little report later. Terry, let's wrap this up so we can get some Gator videos. <laughs> yeah, get her done. All right, folks. Uh, I think that's pretty much everything that we have for you tonight. Congratulations uh, to Paige Pierce. Your champion as well over there at the O2B. Congratulations to the staff and the crew. It sounds like, uh, by and large, everyone had a really good time out there. Uh, the event taking place in California is the one stop that we have in California. Uh, we'll have to see if that finds a way to grow and expand when you think about uh, we have all of SoCal, all of NorCal, just such a disc golf rich and heavy state. Uh, that if we're going to have more tour events and uh, something else we can talk about in the after show is a little bit of the Japan Open in, Open taking oh, place right Oh, that's right. right. That's another Japan story. Open is going on. Uh, all right, guys. Big germs over there. Thanks for joining us. Thank you to Emerson Keith, a.k.a. Emmer Daddy. Congratulations yet again to him, all of his loyal supporters, fans, and followers. Uh, everyone should be rejoicing in such a momentous occasion. So congratulations yet again to him. For Johnny V, I'm the Disc Golf Guy. That's been episode 455. We'll see you in the after show. You step inside the Smashbox. Thank you to our $2 and above patrons. Your name is listed below in the credits. If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com slash smashbox TV. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 